Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santa, joined, as always, by the Sean Wayans, to my Marlon Wayans, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing well. Uh, I'm trying to remember which of us was in uh, uh, Blank Man. Yeah, but which but which of us was in uh, the one where the ghost with the ghost the sixth man? Are, are you going to say the sixth man? Yes, thank you. Not and, to be uh, confused with uh, Eddie, the movie where uh, Whoopi Goldberg plays a ref. Oh no, she doesn't play a ref, dude. She's a coach of the New York Knicks. Oh, I thought she's and the owner. I like uh, I like that movie because John Sally is is like the main character <laughs> in the movie. The, uh, okay, the movie then, that launched the career of John Sally, very own Terry Crews, the man, the myth, the legend himself. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Well, like Terry Crews, uh, I used to lift weights. He still does, but he also used to. Um, nice and, pitch. Uh, that's it. All right, so let's let's get into it. Let's get right into it. We gotta we gotta start off, of course, as we as we do with the uh, Seahawks topics of the week. So uh, there was not a lot of developments in Seahawks land. Uh, a lot of people just lamenting the fact that our NFC we NFC. E West rivals will be meeting in the uh, NFC Championship. A lot of people seem unhappy about that. Um, I, I don't know. It's not a big deal to me. Like it, it, we have, we have, uh, we have dominated this division for for nigh on twenty years, and I'm just like, whatever. They can, they can get some, but go Bengals for sure. Uh, we'll, hey man, we'll one step closer to what I said I wanted. We'll circle back to this. Uh, Okay, I will say this. Let's just talk about the the playoff games really quick. We're not going to talk about overtime because I have a whole segment written about that. uh, About that. First of all, all four games ended on the last play of the game. Very cool. Uh, Bengals won, which is our all of our number one team. So that was kind of neat. And then, uh, okay, I said it would only be funny if Aaron Rodgers lost to uh, to a rookie quarterback at home. But it was also funny to watch him lose to Jimmy Garoppolo playing like shit. Like that was also very funny to me. I was like just dying. Like oh, how can Aaron? And the how can down you had after? <laughs> how can Aaron? How can Aaron Rodgers, the goat quarterback, self-proclaimed goat quarterback, not not get one over on? <laughs> so this is Jimmy G just playing. So the meltdown poorly. was Chef's kiss. You can't you can't mess with Jimmy Gold Jackets like that. Can't oh, underestimate him. I just loved it. I just loved it. And then, I mean. Okay, so let's go, let's go through let's go through one game at a time. Let's just do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna push all the other segments back. Let's just go through one game at a time. So Bengals Titans, very exciting game. I my favorite thing I think from that game was hearing that the kicker told the the other the backup quarterback before he went out to kick the last field goal that uh, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship. Such a gangster move. Yeah, so so cool. <laughs> um, that was my favorite part of that. What'd you guys like about uh, Titans Bengals? Uh, I like that due to injury, it both looked, felt, and was truly like it was the first time this season that Tannehill, uh, Henry, uh, uh, Jones, and uh, Brown were on the Brown. field at the same time for Tennessee. Like they, they, th- they just looked like they were playing like a preseason game together. It was. Do you think Ben Baldwin will stop tweeting about how Tannehill's elite now, or do you think he'll keep going? Oh, I think he'll double down. <laughs> he was so bad in this game. Tanny Gold Jackets. <laughs> Tannehill single-handedly just like tanked his team in this one. Well, with what okay, a they, what a great game they or a great season they had last year, and then this year they looked like not unstoppable, but stoppable at certain times. But probably the team to watch. And watching this game, it just showed wow they are a completely deficient team. All right, and 49ers Packers. Uh, what I liked about this game, uh, 49ers defense actually I thought did a really good job. They basically were like, all right, well we're gonna just press up on Adams and you're just, you're only going to be able to throw to Devonte Adams. Everyone else is going to suck. And other Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones had all of the receiving yards in this game, 
except for six. So, so, and they got all the targets except for like seven. So yeah, it was, um, I thought it was a really good defensive game plan by the 49ers. And I think I like seeing stuff like that. Fred Warner had, a, um, is really good. And I, I don't know. I don't like the 49ers, obviously. Like I, I would prefer them to not win the Super Bowl, but, uh, I do like seeing a well-executed game plan and they have good, co- they are really well coached. And I just thought that. I find that cool. You know, the way they use Debo Samuel and stuff. Interesting. What did you guys think about 49ers Packers? Uh, I really enjoyed how the Packers were playing pretty good defense all game until the moment they really needed to play defense. Watching watching their defense melt down was like, you know, it'd be fun to put this all on Aaron Rodgers, but can't do it. Just watching them fail to be able to Just slow like, what them down they, as the, the Packers are going, they were or the 49ers around? going on the field for the for the field goal. Yeah, like there was a juke one direction, and guys would just turn all the way around. It was like, are you in on the fix? What are you doing? Yeah, it's in, insanity. So, um, yeah, and I mean, they scored, they won on a defensive touchdown and two field goals. Mm-hmm. Just a just like absolutely bonkers way to uh, to uh, end the game. Aaron Rodgers just really hurting his hurting his uh, legacy right there and then okay maybe we blame the wrong guy with mike mccarthy do you agree kevin <laughs> no so, i i definitely think we should still blame mike mccarthy i just think the air rogers also sucks okay and then we go to rams bucks so rams go up huge in this game what was it 27 to 3 and then the buccaneers the corpse of tom brady comes roaring back hey. and then turn turnovers by the rams <laughs> it was just just an insane game really fun game I uh, love seeing teams like this where there's just kind of back and forth, back and forth. I think my favorite thing, though, is uh, my favorite. My the thing, craziest thing was Todd Bowles, man, with the with the zero blitz. And then not only that, but like, you you know, when the Rams need a, a big play, what do they do? They run the same concept over and over. They run this dagger concept where the guy goes a post over the over. The, it's the same thing they always do. And it's like it's like, you know, this is coming. And then Cooper Cup, of course, is right there, too. Man, that throw by Stafford, he just stands in the pocket and like he, the blitz comes right through, right in his face. And he just like that throw is so high and so difficult. <laughs> I was like, dang, dude, Stafford just bravo. Like you know I, I love. I, uh, I love that uh, Todd Bowles has basically clenched himself as if Greg Williams wasn't a sack of crap. I like good Todd on, Bowles. I think, good on Todd Bowles. <laughs> I think he's like actually a good coach, though. But yeah, like that was just that was like the worst time ever to just like that was just the worst decision. Just a terrible de- piece of decision making. Like not only that, but they went zero blitz on a play where like their defense was not super ready. Like they were all kind of all over the field. And then he's yelling in a zero blitz in that situation. Like, oof. I don't know. <laughs> gives gives me the shivers just thinking about it. Like you, you just go out there and play cover too. You know, you just like go out there and put an easy defense in when when they're pressing up on the line like that, and you don't have time to react. But I don't know. What do you think about Rams Bucks, Eric? Uh, Tom Brady penalty for for mouthing off to the ref. That's what I thought. I loved it. <laughs> they lost and that happened. Bah, love it. Kevin, do you have any any more uh, thoughts there? Uh, I just thought that it was a really fun game to watch when I had no interest in anything except for a meteor. So right, uh, like that made it just like pure enjoyment for me. Rooting for a good football game. And then we had Chiefs Bills, a wild back and forth game. I think there was like four lead changes in the last two minutes. Uh, really, 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 really fun game. 
uh, probably will be the best game of the season. I can't imagine there'll be a one. The, the stakes could not possibly have been higher, and the entertainment factor could po- not possibly have been greater. Uh, it, it, we thought going into this game, I think most people thought these are probably the best two, the two most talented teams left, right? And it lived up to the hype in pretty much every way. Uh, my favorite play in this one, of course, Ty- Tyree Kill catches the ball and the on a, kind of a weird uh, broken e play, uh, which and it turns into a kind of like a punt return situation almost, right? Like the way he's running down the field, and then on like the twenty yard line, he turns to a defender who is, I think, like three yards away from him and gives him the deuces, throws up the peace sign, <laughs> dude, and just runs so away. Good. And I was like, I was like, dude, that guy is so close to you. And you are so far from the end zone and you still just like pump <laughs> that guy. Oh, it's amazing. I think Gabriel Davis had, a, of course, like the, the crazy good game, especially funny because Brett told me that Stefan Diggs was the only good skill position player on the bills. And I was like, no, they got kind of really good wide receivers, dude. And then of course, Davis just went off in this game. Uh, they really picked on, uh, on Daniel Sorensen because here's the thing on Daniel Sorensen. When he's playing linebacker, he's, fine he's not good he's still pretty bad but he's fine when he they, they get when you get him playing safety and being a coverage guy he is like the worst and so so they really uh i thought the bills did a good job kind of singling him out and and kind of getting making him uh, an important player on the field which is yeah probably once honey badger got were. injured they picked on him big time yeah for sure they were like they're like this is this is our chance get that guy get him so yeah i think that like I said, these guys are playing chess. This was the probably two of the best coaches in the league. Oh, I have one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking up a lot of air here. But mm. did you guys know that when that last drive came out, there's 14 seconds on the clock. Andy mm. Reid pulled Mahomes aside and he said, when things get grim, be the grim reaper. That's the coolest thing you could ever say. What? That was some Cobra Kai stuff right there. <laughs> that is, there's literally no no cooler thing I think anyone could have possibly said in that situation. That's the he peaked out on the coolest thing. That is so cool. Between that and the uh, uh, the chocolate cake quote from earlier in the week, that's, like that's way better than chocolate cake. Andy Reid wordsmith, man, it's, like it's a masterstroke, is what Kevin's saying. When right times get grim, this guy this guy knows what to do. Be the Grim Reaper. Oh, it's so cool. I want to be that cool when I grow up. All right. I didn't. Kevin, I thought it was interesting Kevin. how a, a decent Bills defense turned into the Seahawks defense on those last two plays. Yeah. All right. Then, Too uh, soon. Guys, you guys got any Bills Chiefs comments before, before we get into our the meat and potatoes, the actual segments that I wrote down? Yeah, I've got one thing, and that is, man, this is just a ball buster for the uh, Buffalo Bills because – they basically built a team that was designed to specifically to go up against Kansas city and be able to beat them. And they got like, and, and they weathered a couple of kind of iffy situations. They got the like really good big time game out of, uh, out of Allen, uh, out of their quarterback. And it wasn't enough. Like that's, yeah. that's a heartbreaker. Yeah. So for Josh Allen. Um, yeah. It's just crazy that they, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of. Uh, I don't have a lot of. I don't have a lot of sympathy for Buffalo. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, poor Bills." Uh, it's like, dude, they gave up 30, 42 points in a playoff game. You hate their fan um, base, though. So I don't yeah, feel bad for them. I, I feel bad for really Josh, Josh Allen. Allen and Sean McDermott. Yeah, those guys. I mean, they have like guys that are in- enjoyable to watch. Um, so yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, yeah, but I, I don't feel bad for Bills fans. Like, it's just, Joe, jump through some more tables and throw some more dildos on the field. 
Okay, whatever you you guys want to do. Uh, pour mustard all over. There's, do you know there's a, there's a super fan they have that pours mustard all over himself before the games. I mean, that's not the dumbest thing I've heard of. It's just a dumb thing I've heard of. Yeah, so it may be the dumbest very, thing very I've cool. heard of. All right, anything else more. about Bills? Bills Chiefs? No, that's just uh, again uh, very enjoyable, uh, enjoyable game to watch. It was this was if last weekend was not fun. Last weekend was a lot of just like bad games. And I would say really the Green Bay San Francisco game was the only bad football game. And even that was interesting to watch the end of. It was just both teams looked bad. And I will say it flat out. Both teams looked bad. I understand that a low scoring game could be a defensive struggle. That's part of what it was. But another part of what it was, was neither team playing very good. All right, so let's get into the the meat and potatoes here, the uh, the, the Seahawks segment that I wrote. So here we go. Uh, I wrote down what I wanted you guys to do is uh, I wrote down there some positions in need, and I wrote down some free agents that the Seahawks could pursue in this offseason. I also tried to make a, a rough estimate of how much I think they would cost, uh, what their contract might look like. So uh, let's start it off. Kevin, what position do you want to dig into? What do you think a position of great need for the Seahawks is? Uh, let's go with offensive line. Okay, what offensive line? I, have, uh, I wrote specifically, down Specifically, different... let's go with center, the thing that I Cent? most want to see addressed. All right, so center, I have four names written down that I feel like are all could suitably uh, fill up the gap in a center for, for the Seahawks. So the first one I got is Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen is currently the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, he's really good at uh, – he's a start. He's a starting quality center. He ranked about 70th percentile of all centers in gap and zone run schemes over the past three seasons. Uh, he's super durable. He has uh, not missed a start for the Buccaneers. Over 4,000 snaps for the team without missing a single one. Uh, he's a, He's been a fan favorite player in Baltimore and Tampa Bay because he's just a well-rounded, really solid all-around player. Uh, contract projection, five. These are all by pro football focus, by the way. I, I, I mind them for a little bit. Three years, 30 million. What do you think, Ryan Jensen? You in? 330? Uh, what are my other options? That's, that's interesting. I'm not out. Okay. Eric, what do you think? Ryan Jensen, you like him? I... I like him enough to see what else is out there. All right, James Daniels. James Daniels is 24 years old. He just had uh, has had one of his – he's really starting to put it together. He's very good in his own blocking scheme. He is the young gun on this list. Uh, you're probably going to have to give him a little more money because of the age. He's played both guard and center. Uh, has the flexibility to play both. Um, he His grade was a 78.5 overall grade, ninth among guards last year. Uh, he was one of the youngest picks in the in the NFL draft in 2018. I think he's going to get somewhere around 550. Would you rather? So where are they right now? Daniels or Jensen? Where are you guys at? Uh, oh. I'm a little bit higher on James Daniels, um, just because I would like to, for once, be the team that picks up the offensive lineman that spent like their lean years developing somewhere else, and then we get to cash in on like the peak of their career instead of the other way around. <laughs> we're, we're gonna get the guy on the rise as opposed to giving up the guy on the rise yes Ooh, all right uh we got uh, i can go we can go old old man here ben jones ben jones is good in the uh the zone gap scheme he's a three years 20 million he's the center for the tennessee titans um he sucks at run block well he doesn't suck he's just not a great run blocker i he he's he's um he like He's like, here's the thing. When I watched him, Ben Jones is really inconsistent to me. Uh, I feel like he gets like, sometimes he gets slammed and sometimes he, but he's a really good pass blocker. He has so, a lot of trouble uh, doing like uh heads up blocks. Um, yeah. he, he can't move a guy out, but he can double team. Well, yeah. 
he um but I think he could get a deal somewhere around like 320. So, you know, that's a little more affordable than these other guys that who are 10 million per year. Uh what do you guys uh do you guys like Ben I don't know I'm going to stop asking that question. I'm, you know, I'm just going to lay out all the options and you guys can just tell me what you want. Yep. Uh, Brian <laughs> Brian Allen is another zone blocking center. Uh is going to get like 320. Uh he's the Rams center. Uh he's pretty good at zone blocking. He's really good at run blocking. He sucks at pass protection and you can you can house this guy stunting on him uh which is bad in our division probably i would say brian allen's the, the worst of these uh, we, uh and also st- picking up stunts is a problem the seahawks have had in recent past so i probably wouldn't want brian allen mm-hmm. but he is a, it is a reasonable choice to to bring in uh a brian allen he is young he's on the younger end he's james uh he's, he's not is he james daniel john yeah, yeah he's 26 so he's a couple years older yeah there you go same draft those though. are those are the uh, those are the center options here. Uh, what do you guys think? Who who do you who do you who would you go for, Eric? I really like what Kevin said about getting a guy on the rise. Plus, I mean, we've always said that it'd be nice to get that big piece that we can build people around. I don't know if Daniels is that big piece. If you both convince me of it, and better than you convince me of Jamal Adams, because I still wasn't convinced that was a great trade before we made it. Um, I could be convinced that that is the piece to build around. Uh, we know the problems we have at center tackles aren't growing on trees. And I don't imagine there's a number of really high quality tackles available uh, in the free agent market. I'm sure there's some names, but I'm talking high talent. So uh, I'll go Daniels, even if it is five fifty or five fifty-five. Yeah. Eric or Kevin, are you agree? You're going James Daniels. You want, you uh, want to see us go for the go shoot big. So I either want to see us shoot big or I want to see us draft. I think that picking up, um, first of all, I, I think Allen profiles too similarly to Joey Hunt for me to want to turn over the starting job to him. Um, that's kind of concerning because he like he doesn't have great length or anything. He's a little smaller and he gets moved around a lot, like you said. So I don't want to put money on a guy that I feel like you could pick up in like late round three, early round four of any draft. Um, and Ben Jones, I don't feel like I'm getting enough of a price break to rather have him over uh, Jensen or Daniels. So I would be fine with either of Jensen or Daniels, or I want to take a crack at it in the draft. Yeah. Russ, Russ would probably love to have like a veteran like Jensen coming into That's another thing to consider probably. All right, Eric, what's this position you see as one of a great need for the Seahawks? Ooh, do I, do I go with the softball or would you like me to go with a, uh, you know, I went really deep on four positions. So if you really went uh, out out of left field, I could I can improvise though. I got a big I got a bigger list that I have in a spreadsheet. I'm still interested in secondary help. Um, cornerbacks, let's do it. Cornerbacks. All right. So I wrote down. Uh, I do. I do have. I want to launch that softball at you before um, we're done with this though. So 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 that cornerbacks uh, we got. Uh, guys that guys that I think are scheme fits, and then one guy who I don't think is a scheme fit, but I think is uh, good enough to go for anyway. How about that? Is that mm-hmm. good? This is a actually a a wealth of um of good uh, cornerbacks in this one. Like, there's a lot of cornerbacks here. Actually, there's two guys who really aren't scheme fits. So, okay, let's start with the scheme fits. Okay, we got Carlton Davis. Do you guys know Carlton Davis? Uh, you know yeah, his work. Uh, Bucks. Um, he is probably going to get franchise tagged. <laughs> but but if he doesn't, he can play pretty much any scheme. He's really good in zone. He's super physical. He would really fit the bill as like a Seahawks type cornerback. Um, he's he was on the slower end coming out of the draft, but uh, 
yeah, if, so that would be someone we could get probably around six, 16 to $18 million a year if he does hit uh, free agency. Uh, then we got Darius Williams, okay, which we, you guys are probably familiar with, with. He is the guy who plays opposite Jalen Ramsey in the Rams defense. He's small, and he gets to play opposite of Ramsey, so he gets you know extra safety help. But this guy is actually pretty, pretty solid. Um, now, I'm not sure if he's a number one cornerback, but – the Seahawks have done pretty good this year, I feel like, with two number twos. And so I wouldn't hate the idea of going and getting someone like Dar- uh, uh, Darius Williams. Uh, Casey Hayward Jr. Um, Casey Hayward kind of uh, revived his career a little bit with the uh, with the Raiders because um, it seemed like he was on the, uh, the down. Yeah, well, the season with the Chargers was not very good. And his last season with the Chargers, and it seemed like he was kind of kind of going down. But he's really good in the specifically in the kind of Gus. Like he, the reason he sh- revived his career this year was because he got to play in the Gus Bradley scheme, which is you know our scheme, the scheme uh, of schemes. So so yeah, the the, the cover three uh, that kind of stuff. He's really good in zone cover three, and we he'd probably be really affordable too because he's thirty two years old. Um, if we want another physical. Uh, kind of number two, uh, Steven Nelson uh, for the Eagles, super physical. Um, he's really good. He's probably going to be pretty affordable, 214, something like that. Uh, Bryce Callahan is a good, really good slot corner uh, for Denver. If we wanted to, to fill that role with a player who actually is of the uh, tippy-top caliber in the league, Callahan might be on the way down, but um, you know we could probably get him for like $8 million. Uh, you know, five to eight million dollars a year, something like that, and use him as a kind of a, a star slot corner. And then uh, Dante Jackson is the other guy I wrote down that's a scheme fit, which is uh, he's at the Carolina Panthers. Um, really explosive player, really good in zone, um, probably a number two corner for us, and might be a little bit expensive because he's super young still. He's only 26 years old, and he ran a 4 3 in the draft. He was a number eight overall pick. Um, Right? No, no, that, that no, no, no. JC JC Horn. He's JC Horn was the guy they picked in the first round, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he okay. was a second round pick in 2018. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Jackson was. Yeah. So, um, exceptional athleticism. Um, really could be a guy that Pete Carroll gets his hands on and molds him into uh, a, a better player than he's been so far in the NFL. Can we wait? Can um, we address that really quickly? And I don't mean to go too far off topic, but is that a thing anymore? We've talked about know, this for about five he, or six years. Sidney Jones looked really, really good this year. Okay. Um, I thought that we had guys coming in at the end of the season who I no one was talking about, right? That played really, really good. Uh, we were we were throwing out blessing Austin and just like uh, that guy we got from John Reed, the guy we got from Texans. Like those guys were rolling out there at the end of the year and playing perfectly fine because everyone was injured. So, Kevin, yeah, what do you think? That, I think it's still a thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with Nathan on this one. I think okay. that, I, like you said, we were throwing out spare parts and they were playing like functional defensive players. Um, I think part of what's clouding our vision here is whatever was happening with Trey Flowers, that was not working. But if you remove Trey Flowers from the equation, Shaquille Griffin was good enough with Pete in order to get a big contract. Like we've had a number of people come through here that played some of the best ball. Uh, that they played in their careers. Um, guys, I have breaking news story. Can we just take a pause for a second? I just yep. got a, a really important breaking news story. Antonio Brown and his agent have told Bryant Gumble, real sports Bryant Gumble, 
what a weird source. They intend to pursue legal action against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. Sure. Uh, I can't anymore. Okay. Does the Uh, the lawyer also have CTE? Two guys who are man corners, so they're not really scheme fits per se, but but probably have the talent level to overcome that. Is um, but I think it would be an overpay for us because they don't fit in the system. Uh, J.C. Jackson is really really good at football. He's the Patriots' number one corner. A great ball skill, rarely gets beat deep, but he's not great in zone. And we were probably going to ask him to play zone. So if we're paying $18 million a year to play someone out of scheme, that would be very Seahawks to do that because that's what we're doing with Jamal Adams. <laughs> and then and then um, the other guy, of course, is Stephon Gilmore. Same thing. Uh, very good in man coverage. Great ball skills. Um, not good in, not very good in zone. And also Gilmore is getting old. Uh, so I would say if, though, if we signed either of those guys, we're paying them at least $15 million a year. And uh, we're playing them out of scheme. Now, I wouldn't hate it. Obviously, the Seahawks would have believed they had something for them. But I do think it's um, it would, in my opinion, it would be a mistake. But it's it's definitely a possibility they can go for those guys. That's a huge list of dudes. Yeah, it is. I'm not gonna lie. Those are. I think this is a pretty solid free agent class of cornerbacks. There are there are guys that we can get here. So, uh, is there anyone who stands out for you, Kevin? Is someone you'd like to see us uh, take a take a target at? Okay, so a lot of the really top dollar guys I'm not super in on because I still like the idea of re-signing Reed and having him and oh, yeah. Brown. I didn't mention DJ Reed, who is someone I wrote down. I just didn't mention him because obviously like, the Seahawks are going to be interested in bringing him back. Yeah, so if we were able to bring back DJ Reed and run him back with, uh, with Brown, um, I think that's a really interesting tandem. And so I'm thinking about kind of someone who supplements that in a good way. If I wanted to get somebody who... So I, I think Casey Hayward's interesting because he can play inside or outside. Um, definitely better outside. And he, you know, brings kind of a veteran presence to the cornerback room where they don't really have it. So and he would be coming in on a, a relatively inexpensive contract. The other one's Bryce Callahan, who has all the exact same advantages. Plus he's already an elite slot corner. And in addition to that, if you look back over his career, when they've had to start him at outside corner, he's still been good. Like, it turns out Bryce Callahan might just be a really good corner. Oh, Bryce Callahan's good. If people keep trying to poke holes in his game, too. He's just awesome. Yeah, so Bryce Callahan, I think if you just, like, want to be like, hey, let's bring back DJ Reed and Bryce Callahan, and we'll bring in Bryce Callahan to, like, make our slot corner be excellent, as opposed to Ugo Amadi, who was up and down this year, to say the least. I think that would be a, a great move. Well, and if Callahan has to kick outside because somebody gets hurt he's still a at the very least above average starting outside corner. And then you bring whoever into the slot or if you have, or if your uh, fourth corner is a more of an outside corner then you keep him in the slot. But I'm just saying, I think Bryce Callahan's flexibility in that aspect from a roster building perspective is an advantage. All right. Um, Eric, is there, is there a guy that you'd love to see come in and play for the Seahawks next year? You know, I really am in, I'm I'm in deep respect of everything Kevin's saying in the regards of bringing in someone as a veteran presence on this team, and if that's someone like Bryce Callahan that that we actually think is going to turn the tide for us or help us kind of maintain a new um, a new core group of guys, whatever that's going to be, I'm into that more than like a uh, you know a a Dante Jackson or a young guy that we'd have to pay a lot of money for. Uh, Dante Jackson is intriguing to me because he is young. He is athletic and 
Uh, let's face it, you don't, you don't want to play in Carolina ever again. Um, but we we can't just throw top dollar at every position. So uh, I'm I'm willing to uh, you know set that set that to the side. Another, and go with the another thing we could do with Dante Jackson is like be the team that offers him like a longer deal with more guarantees, but less AAV, you know, and see if that's something he's interested in. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing he would probably prefer it was like a really short deal. That yeah, twenty six, a two or three year deal that lets him bet right. on himself turns him over to yeah to another big contract if he can be really great so yeah i'm I'm guessing something like 222 or something like that for him but if we get him i think that's a great it's a really good scheme fit yes like he he's just and the things that he sucks at are things that we are good at fixing man missing tackles uh like covering uh, in breaking routes you know that kick step technique and all that stuff so that's true um, i will say another benefit for um Bryce Callahan is that he uh, has played in the scheme that we seem to be leaning towards for who we pick up because he played in Chicago and Denver in the Fangio defense. Mm -hmm. All right. So we got cornerbacks. We did centers. Um, All right. So we got, we got Eric to the easy one. That's offensive tackle, right? Yep. That's what I was going to go with. So Um, we're on the same page there. Dwayne Brown is the obvious name. Like, would you bring back Dwayne Brown? Yes. You said you want to bring back, DJ Reed, Kevin, would you bring back Dwayne Brown? Um, I'm more hesitant to bring back Dwayne Brown. He's 36 years old. He clearly looked to be in a decline. He's still, um, he's still a solid offensive tackle, but um, I would want to see where else I can put my, like, it depends. Like, am I bringing Dwayne Brown back at 10 or 12, or am I bringing him back at market rate for a starting left tackle? 10. I'm guessing he's going to get 10. And he is 36, though. It's it's tough. You, you you start projecting big declines, right? Like he's gonna he's gonna have huge step downs at some point. He's yeah, not, not everybody can be Andrew Whitworth. And yeah, it's gonna say like that's the that's the thing is like, can you be Andrew Whitworth, who's 40 years old and is still probably like the best or second best left tackle in the league? He's so good still. <laughs> so it's insane. Andrew Whitworth is nuts. So I don't know. Like, can he can he do that? Can he like keep putting up great great seasons and close to his 40s? It's tough. He still moves really good. That's the thing that gives me faith that he could be come back and be completely fine, right? Yeah. Is his move his movement doesn't look bad. Um, he just he had like some weird stuff in the run game this year and a couple like pretty notable just like I don't know straight misses where I don't know what happened on that play. I don't know if it was like the line call was was not what he expected or whatever, but. Yeah, I would be fine if they brought back Dwayne and they spent a bunch of money elsewhere. Uh, I would be okay with that. I would, I could totally live with that. Erica, what do you, how do you feel about bringing back Dwayne Brown? I mean, it's got to be at a at a at a low rate. It's got to be a if it's a two year, fourteen million. I could be fine with that. Um, and I, I don't want to pay him ten million a year. I don't want to do that. All right. Well, let's go. That's probably even if it's a one year, ten million year, ten million dollars. Unless it's like that's our leftover cap space. Like we've made all these changes, we have eleven million in cap space. Go for it. All right. Well, let's go to the expensive guy then. The guy who probably is going to hit free agency because his team is losing their coach, is going to probably try to be bad this year to get a quarterback next year, and uh, we'll take a they'll take a gap year. I guess is what I'm saying, and uh, that's Teron Armstead. Uh, Tron Armstead has struggled with injuries uh, for a lot of his career. He's had he's had several injuries. 
but uh, he's an elite left tackle when he's on the field. He's hitting his age, uh, what, 31 season next yep. year? That's right. Um, he's He is the, one of the, if not the best pass blocking, uh, the left tackle in football. He's more than adequate in the in the run game. I'm not, that, that was no knock on his run blocking. Uh, just it's not as good as his uh, truly. Uh, he's an A-plus pass blocker and a C-plus to B-minus run blocker. I would say no slouch. even better than that, but like, he, yeah, yeah, he's the best, he's the best pass blocker. Like there's no question. Like there nobody pass blocks like this guy. Uh, so Teron Armstead is the guy. Now you're going to have to probably pay him like $20 million a year, right? Upwards of $20 million a year. He's going to look at that Trent Williams contract and say, why not me? Because he, Trent Williams also has a history of injuries, right? He also had, he also is on the wrong side of 30. So he's, it's pretty easy for Teron Armstead to look and say, "Hey, six years. What did what did he get? Uh, Trent got six years and a hundred and thirty-two million or something. Hundred and thirty-eight. Wow, twenty-three million APY and a lot guaranteed too. Yeah, yeah, and that guarantees were fully guaranteed forty million, uh, fully guaranteed. So, yeah, that they, I mean, they have to pay Trent Williams, uh." at least $6 million in his age 37 season. They've already committed to that. Um, if that's for him to not play on their team, his actual cap number is $29 <laughs> million. Um, that was just eye watering for a 37 year old left tackle. Uh, but that's what it took, I guess, to keep him in the uniform. So you got to just got to do so. Okay. Let's say Teron Armstead gets, I don't know, six one twenty. I think pro football focus says three fifty seven point seven five. That is nuts. There's no way it's not more than that. I mean, if it was that, that I would snap keep that so fast. You wouldn't believe it. Like there, there'd be no debate. We closed down this list. That contract is signed. I'd be asking if we could add a couple more years at that rate. Don't be because Jackson, <laughs> Jacksonville and Miami are definitely going to roll up and say, Hey, uh, we, we have a lot of cap room. Do you want to fill this cap room with for $25 million a year? Which is that's what's going to happen. So I'm saying that the best case scenario for us is that he really wants to play with Russ and we can get him for, you know, a little over $20 million a year, similar to the Trent Williams deal. Something like six one, someone think in the neighborhood of six one twenty or five hundred and five, something like that. Um, do you guys think, first of all, that's a very un Seahawks thing to do, right? <laughs> Go out in free agency, sign a guy to a super long contract at a very high price. Is there any chance that this is what, what we do? Let's let's start with that. I don't see that happening. Um, also, I just, I just, it sounds too risky. It feels like a desperate move to do that, and I don't, I don't more know. desperate than the Jamal Adams trade. <laughs> like that's the thing. Why is it? Why can't we make desperate moves where we give up like first round picks for guys? Like we've done it a bunch of times now, right? Oh like yeah, they, these des des Percy Harvin. Uh, Jimmy Graham and and uh, and Jamal Adams, we we have made desperation trades for players. Why can't we do a desperation signing, signing. for once? Are you, are you saying that's what's next? The desperation trade didn't look desperate until Jamal Adams, and it was like, okay, well, the, all these at least work to an extent, so this had better work to some extent and a, a, a large extent, and it didn't. And um, so I don't know. I just feel like that's. That, that deal scares me. It frightens me to talk about this, and I'm going to turn my head. Okay. Uh, I would love to sign Teron Armstead. I think oh. it's the kind of all-in move oh. that the Seahawks need to be making with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. That's that's what I'm going to say. And I would rather have him than Orlando Brown Jr., who's the other uh, like blue-chip uh, left tackle potential. Uh, Orlando, Bruno, Orlando Brown will probably be cheaper, 
but this Orlando Brown is like the opposite of the of uh Tron Armstead. He's really good against in the run and um doesn't miss a lot in the pass game, but he can get he can get kind of beat. You they, you he's be very beatable in the pass game, and I want guys that just protect Russ and like make his life as easy as possible because I think we saw at the end of the season Russ start to get comfortable in the uh kind of offense that that Waldron wants to run and I really think it could take off if we have good pass protection so if it's between expensive guys I want Armstead over Brown and uh and I would I would like to see them push their chips in and get one really big name this year whether it's a tackle or we'll talk about edges in a second right right there it's a tackle or an edge I'd like to see them really make a run Kevin, what do you think? Do you want to go for one of these expensive tackles? Yeah, I mean, just kind of along the lines of what you said. We traded, we gave away assets and signed uh, Brown to a three-year contract, which at the time was paying ah. him, like, uh, pretty good left tackle money. Like, not yeah. top of the league, but but really good money. So I, I think it'd be disingenuous to say that we don't invest in those positions. It's just, like you said, typically we don't do it through free agency, which is a little frustrating. So, um, yeah, I think I'm in that spot where I either want to throw a lot of money at a Terran Armstead, Terran Armstead, or I want to throw media money and get like Eric Fisher and Morgan Moses or Dwayne Brown and bring in like, I want to like, I want to bring in, um, I'd rather have really good right tackle to go with. I'd rather have Dwayne. I'd rather run Dwayne Brown back than get Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher is like, well, I'm just saying, I'm not sure that Dwayne Brown is going to play another season. Like he might decide like, Hey, I'm going to be 37 next season. I think I'm time to retire. I, I think like Fisher could get like a lot more money than I think he should considering, um, considering like the, the injury he came off with, off of and like the the offensive line he plays on i feel like kind of um kind of hides some of his efficiencies because he's he's uh gets to play next to guys that are amazing right yeah and so i don't like trust eric fisher to be like just scheme independent or anything like that like if i'm gonna cheap out yeah like get morgan moses and like riley reef you know yeah. just like sure up both tackle spots and then get like jensen at center to have that like elite guy to hold like reef reef is reef would be like just the new brandon shell which is like a guy who's <laughs> not really that good but like can play both tackle spots competently and not embarrass himself and that you're hoping all the time that you could find someone who's better than him does that make sense yeah, he's and a also C-plus offensive tackle yeah also riley reef just beats the crap out of people who suck that's one thing i like about him is like when i watched him i was like dang if the, if the other guy sucks he just like wrecks him Yes, but like if the other guy's good, then he gets wrecked. So uh, that's uh, that's a problem. He uh, are you saying that he's the good bad tackle? Yeah, he is the good bad tackle. All right, got that. All right. Interesting. All right, you guys. Interesting. You guys want to hear? You guys want to hear a giant list of edge players that are available this offseason? Let's do it. Uh, sure. Chandler Jones, no. Uh, Vaughn. <laughs> I was going to say that. Vaughn Miller, Jadavian Clowney, Randy Gregory, Emmanuel Ogba, Melvin Ingram, three. Hassan Reddick, Harold Landry, three. Justin Houston, Jer- Jerry Hughes, Derek Barnett, and Jason Pierre-Paul. You know what all these guys have in common? They're old. It's old. It's no country for old edge, baby. So <laughs> one one thing I think I like about this is all of these guys are except for except for Harold Landry's not old, but it all these guys old. are are pretty. Uh, they're pretty up there in in age, and none of them are really going to be that expensive. Like they're not going to. No one is going to be uh, 
a billion dollars on this list. Like you could get, you could pick out two of these guys and get them for like twenty million dollars. Like any two, except for maybe Chandler Jones, if you include him in that list. And I don't even know Chandler Jones. He was he had like five sacks in the first game of the season, and then like five sacks the rest of the season. So I think a lot of people are going to be like, uh, how much Carlos money? Dunlap. And he was hurt much, all of the previous season. How much money do we really want to give a guy who was hurt and then had trouble doing doing stuff the rest of the year? So I think he might get less money than than maybe people expect. And I don't know. I think this is a really solid list of veteran pass rushers. Like I like basically all of these guys on this list. I would be totally fine if they brought in one or even two of any of these guys i do not have a strong preference in any direction uh i think the seahawks probably could decide better than i which one they want i would love to see von miller in a seahawks uniform just because i think he's awesome like the the fact von miller is like a chicken farmer and just like all that crazy stuff and also he i thought he might be washed and then he's been pretty good for the rams the last uh last few weeks and really kind of um taken off and it'd be cool to see him get like you know 230 from the Seahawks to kind of finish his career, uh, finish up his career as our uh, rush specialist. I would love it. So, all right, guys, uh, out of those lists, what does name stuck out to you, Eric? Chandler Jones. I, I don't really like the idea of signing him, but of all the names that stood out, here's what I want. I was going to ask you before you named, I, I didn't know all the lists you were going through. I didn't know they'd be so old. <laughs> I was thinking like are there... a lot of old, a lot of a lot of guys on the on the wrong side of thirty on this list. I, yeah, yeah, that's the best way to put it. And I uh, as a as a person as of today, I think Randy Gregory's like twenty nine though. Twenty nine. I don't want I, Randy Gregory is not standing he, out to me. He kind of had a finally had a breakout year this year. Yeah, I don't know this is a guy with two first names. And this is <laughs> an, old, an old Kevin standby, but also. Um, I, I, he's going to command a little more money because of his breakout season. That's why I don't want him. I, I think he's like two twenty five. I think he's like uh, I don't know which which no. for pass rushers. I was thinking, that, yeah, I was thinking one at thirteen. No, that's 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 the same AAV, dude. If we could get two of these guys and one is a higher name that commands more money, and one guy's at like a seven million, and like two guys at twenty two million, you know, one guy's at seven. One guy's it's help me teachers do the math. Is that twelve? So you're like saying like Melvin Ingram for eight million and then like Randy Gregory for twelve million. And you're like something like that. Yes. Yeah, I would yeah, be yeah. I would be into that on short contracts because that's something fun that would kind of spit in the face of manufacture pass rush, which we've still been able to do. I mean our rotation would be deep if we had did something like and that. And we yeah, have we guys, two guys that would be Yeah, we crazy. have guys that are leaving this year or guys who are probably gonna cut that are you know, there's there's some certain carry hiders that are probably not going to be on this team next year. <laughs> I don't want to mention your names, just kind of type of guys. And um, so I, I'm i I'm fine with replacing them with these guys that we could just swing in and create that instant pass rush. Here's the thing. I want to go as old as possible. We might struggle to replace an aging Hall of Famer like Benson Mayoa. But if we could bring in a Justin Houston or a Jerry Hughes mm-hmm. at about six, seven million, and That's then pair Jerry them Hughes. with an Emmanuel Ogba. I think that would be a really, really big addition. Yes, sir. I want Jerry Hughes because he was really effective this year, even though he was like 33. And I think that we could really work him in a rotation. You know, like he it's does a really see, good scheme fit. He, he's not like Carlos Dunlap where, you know, you have to, he says he has to play all the time to really get in the groove. Jerry Hughes can consistently win even just playing a little bit. And we could totally use, use him as a, like a pass rush specialist, you know, and then, 
and then road be rotating guys all over the place everywhere. And that's, I think when our defense works the best. Right. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing, like I said, any of these guys, if we went and got Jason Pierre, Paul, uh, whatever. No. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> really? Jason, Jason Pierre, Paul is solid. Like there's, you can get him for a five figure discount. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Thank you. There yeah. he is. I know that's what you're waiting for. So now yeah. we can move honestly, on. Honestly, I mean, come on. That's, that's come on. He's, it he, wouldn't be Christmas he, without it. Jason Pierre Paul is like the perfect the guy, perfect guy for Seahawks too, because he's just like um, only gets coverage sacks at this point in his career. He just like <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a real lunch pail guy. Uh, yeah, son of a I'm coach. not even joking. Uh, he like just keeps he just like motor, it's working late in the play, and it's like yeah, it's that's what our pass rush does. It just this, gets guys is, like is Grant Wister. Got some Grant Wisterman in him. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk overtime rules. I'm going to wait, 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 wait. I said I wanted a softball position to throw at you. And oh, I, I thought that was tackle. No, no, no. Team. Maybe it's hardball. Maybe you're not ready for this, Nathan. I'm not. This is not one I prepared. Those were the four I prepared. What was, Are you going to say running back? Kicker. 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 Oh, J- Jason Myers. $4 million okay. dollar kicker. Out. Jason Myers. Kicker. Okay. Draft a kicker. That's fine. Okay. I, yep. That's it. It's, it's that, that's, if it's that simple. It's working good for Cincinnati. You don't, if you don't, you don't know. <laughs> You don't want no Randy Bullock action? That's fun. All right, let's start with this. Um, before we start, I just have to say, I don't care that much about the overtime rules. Like, I don't think that if people say, like, Buffalo deserve this or that. Like, they didn't deserve anything. They played really bad in the last, like, two minutes of that game, giving up a, a big drive to allow a field goal to tie it and then giving up, a, a, a like, a long drive to score a touchdown. Like, there, there's no, like... Defense is part of football, and even though every rule change favors the offense, that doesn't mean that we need to like bow down at the altar of the NFL quarterback and like say, okay, well then the only thing that matters is the quarterbacks. Every quarterback gets to touch the ball. I I'm gonna start with that. Like I'm okay with how this game ended. Like I don't have any feel bads for uh, like the overtime rules. I do. I feel bad for Buffalo because of other things, but not because of the overtime rules. Um, I do think it sucks that. that a coin flip matters a lot. So I think a lot, you'll see a lot of my potential solutions here involve eliminating a coin flip. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys solutions, potential solutions to, uh, to overtime. uh, I misunderstood the prompt. So this will be interesting. And I'm going to have you rate them on a scale one to 10, how much you like them. All Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Okay. Okay, So the first one is one that everyone suggests on Twitter and I I might rate, I might bash a few of them, but I'm not going to really give my ratings. Uh, the one everyone loves on Twitter, both teams get to touch the ball once. Um, everyone, every team gets one possession minimum, uh, uh, full possession. How do you feel about that? Scale one to 10. I'll go first. Uh, that's a two for me. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, Ken, what do you think? I put it at a five. I think it's functionally the same as the current rules, except you're going like, uh, the, the third possession is now the same as the first possession. All right, cool. Congrats. It's, it's the it's the same as the current rules. Uh, because With the team that steps, wins, the, yeah, the teams that wins the coin flip is now either going to uh, decide to go second, which is good because you know what the first team did, or they, if they go first, if both teams score, they get the ball back in a sudden death. So they're going to decide to go first because oh, why wouldn't you decide to go first? Why? Well, it depends. Unless I, you're Mike I don't Malarkey. think learning what the other team did is uh is going to make sense because it was, it was you're going to have college. two to one odds of. Did you know to score? Did you know defense first won fifty five percent of college football overtimes? Uh, anyway, those are different rules. Kinda. I mean, in, in this situation, in this situation, we're saying ninety percent of the. They're saying people are saying like ninety point nine percent of uh, NFL overtime playoff games ended on the first possession. So if everyone just scores a touchdown every time, I, I get okay. Anyway, whatever. We both we all think that one sucks, so it doesn't matter. All right. Um, 
that both teams know before the game starts who will get the ball first in overtime. Um, either it's the home team or it's the team that won the opening coin toss. But before the game starts, there's not a second coin toss. Both teams will know during regulation which team will get the ball first in overtime. This obviously greatly affects the game because teams might like go for two if they know the other team's going to get the ball first or something like that. What do you think of that? I'll I put, go first this time. I'll oh, okay. put it sure. zero. Oh, you don't like that? nothing for me. Com- compared to the current system? Yep. Why Why nothing? Explain that. Uh, so, uh, okay. So I think that it's like for a television product purposes, it's high drama that uh, it'll change maybe decisions late in the fourth quarter, and it could change some of the probabilities there. But for making the actual overtime itself more interesting, I just don't think it does. Well, remember, my goal is not to... Uh, okay, maybe you should think of this differently, Kevin. Uh, I'm I'm trying to make it more fair. I'm, I'm putting that in quotes. I, I don't think, don't think that perfect. that changes the fairness. Okay. Eric, what do you think? Uh, what number is intrigued? I put that as a seven. Because I think okay. that that would... Uh, that would that would put a little bit of uh, challenge, a little bit of planning, a little extra coaching in say the last thirty seconds. Like ah, you know, they're just going to run out the ball. Ah, oh, but you know what? The the Raiders. Uh, let's make it a good team. Uh, the the Buccaneers are getting at the ball in overtime, so they may hey, actually. Hey, I'm offended by your <laughs> Raiders aren't a good team statement, Eric. I'm sorry. It was. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to pick a playoff team that I could pick on. So. <laughs> I think that would make it like, okay, 30 minutes. It would make the last, instead of the running out the ball to get to overtime, it would make that time much more valuable. So I put that as a seven. It does, unlike Kevin, it does uh, turn me on a little bit. All right. How about um, this one's called uh, field goal gamble. So uh, one team uh, states how they basically, instead of doing a coin toss, you kick a, you kick a field goal. Um, one team basically states how far they want the field goal to be. And then the other team gets to decide which team kicks it. And that's, that's who determines who gets the ball first. Uh, I guess it's back to me first. I think that is utter nonsense. I think <laughs> well, that don't just wait, it's going to get worse. I, Cause these are all, these are all real things. I read a uh, professional sports writers, right? By the way, I, think an, I did not, should, I did not make any of these up. You should start a guy with a blindfold holding the ball. He doesn't catch a kick, but he runs and wherever he's tackled, the color on the field corresponds to whoever starts over time with X amount of points, utter stupidity, zero. Sorry. That's uh that's my opinion. Kevin seven. Oh, this intrigues Se- me. This um, is why I did, I did it like this though, because I knew some of these you would Kevin would like, and some of these Eric would like, and I was like, "This is perfect." Uh, so uh, the thing is, number one, if we're talking about fairness and gamesmanship, I think there's a really interesting thing about the ice ice split you choose method of overtime, where like like think about having to set the bar for the field goal is so interesting. And then the field goal is not a guarantee. I think that creates a much more interesting and strategic moment than, um, than a coin flip. So uh, I think that that is an improvement. Therefore it is a seven. Uh, real quick. I like what Kevin said about that. The, you know, the, uh, I, I'll, ch- I choose, but that that's exactly why it's not fair. Look what happened at the end of Billy Madison. Okay. Anybody Come uh, on, get out of here. Uh, let's go with, um, how about this? Play out the full overtime time, no matter what. It's a 15 minute overtime. Uh, you, you were going to play the whole thing. What do you think of that one? I'll go first. Uh, that's an eight for me. I think that that's a direct improvement on the current system. 
Um, and the only thing is you'd have to figure out something for like, I think that's a way better regular season way to handle it. Um, because then you can still end it in a tie at the end of the first overtime. Uh, I just think that that's a problem when it comes to, uh, the playoffs. Cause you do have to get a final winner. Uh, Eric, what do you I think don't play out the whole overtime. I don't think it's better, but I'll give it an eight. The like Kevin, I'll agree. We'll come together and agree on the last one. However, what I don't like about it is the last thing Kevin said, and that was like, if you play it out, you can still get a tie. And I think that just leaves the door open for not a few more ties, but more ties, maybe even many more ties, which according to Donovan McNabb, they don't do ties anymore. Uh, All right. So don't like it. We're playing to this one. We're playing to first team to score eight points. Okay, so uh, first team to score eight points is the winner. What do you think? And this is they're shooting baskets, right? No, I mean, oh, so okay, like, it's football. Okay, so here's the thing: if you get Can the ball first, the horse for one where you're trying to like no, hit passes. This is certain yards. This is reasonable because okay, let me explain this one then. So the, if you get the ball first, you score a touchdown. You can go for two to win it, which is yep. a which people say is a 50-50 proposition in the NFL, right? And or you can kick for one and then. Uh, try to stop the other team who might go for two right we're playing first to eight okay we're just playing and it, this is only for playoff games obviously in the regular season you don't want to do this because uh you don't want the games to go like a million years right Lions, Lions, raiders can get real ugly right because there's teams that can't score eight points yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the playoffs where the quarterbacks are generally good and jimmy garoppolo uh then you can then you can uh then you can do this this is more viable in the playoffs so, okay, anyway, what do you think? Play to eight. Kevin. Uh, eight. It just seems appropriate. <laughs> it's a, I, I honestly think this isn't that bad. Like, I think no, it's I fine. Think that's, I think that's fine. I, I think it's, uh, like, I'm I'm partially joking when I give it an eight just because it seems appropriate based on that. But also, it intrigues me as much as to just play it out. I think it has a lot of the same advantages and disadvantages. Um, I mean, you go for two, and then you have to get a field goal, or you can make the two-point conversion on the first so uh, I think that puts a little extra pressure on the defense, but gives them a better chance to make the stop. I think that's interesting. That's cool. If it's the target score, the target score thing in the NBA all-star game has been, I liked it generally too. I thought it was a cool way to end a game. So it kind of made me uh, more uh, into it. Anyway, what do you, what do you say? Eric? The playoff for the playoffs. I think this is a nine. I think it's awesome for the playoffs in the regular season. Uh, Jags Raiders might still be going. I don't. I hate it, <laughs> but so so I give it. <laughs> yeah, a nine. it's it is not a reg. It is not a regular season. I mean, um, even take some good teams, make it like uh, you know, Raven Steelers. Dear Lord, can you imagine? That would it would it would take forever. No, it'd be terrible. Um, okay, uh, spot and choose. So the way spot and choose works is um, one team declares what yard line the the ball will be placed on and then the other team the other this is the ravens the ravens actually suggested this last year um though so one team bids a, a yard line so they say like own 15 and then the other team decides they want to be on offense or defense first so there's like a risk reward element there um the ravens were the team that suggested this uh i don't i don't know eric uh who's for i don't know who's trying to go first i think it is uh, eric go ahead yeah uh six i don't know i feel like this is i think there's i I would be willing to workshop that idea how's that i hate that term but uh, i could see where it works but it really doesn't do a whole lot for me 
What do you think, Kevin? Bro, nine. This is the field goal idea only better. Uh, this is almost my favorite plan. Um, I, I think that, again, it creates an interesting strategic position. You can decide if you um, want to lean more on your offense or defense by the way you set field position. Uh, I think it's kind of cool because you basically get to go, hey, um, we're going to set this up based on what we think the strength of our team is. And the other team then has to make a decision based on what they've scouted about your team. I like it. I think it's um, I think it's a direct improvement over the current system. And it's kind of my second favorite way of handling it. All right. Well, this one's very similar, Kevin. You might like it better. It's called blind bid spot. Each team bids a yard line. The team who bids furthest back gets the ball on that yard line to start. So you you secretly tell the ref. I don't know how, uh, what yard line you'd like to start on. And the you, team you who write bids, it down on a slip of paper and you, hide and the it team, in the shoe before you the give game. it to Matt Flynn and Matt Flynn <laughs> and runs the, it out. And then the bid that's farthest away from touchdown is the one that gets to get the ball first. What do you think of that, Kevin? <laughs> Dude, could you imagine if like the, uh, if they leak that to the broadcast and to be like, the other team doesn't know, but the Baltimore Ravens have already stated they would do the 16 yard. Like that would be some amazing drama. Kevin, you I know also. that they would do I'm that. Down. They would I, it's, I actually it's, do it's that. like the, it's like the Here's... peeking at the cards in the world series of poker. It'd be like that. Yes. Yes. I don't, That's I don't exactly like it. I think is. like, I think it would have been reasonable for both Buffalo and Kansas city to bid own one yard line in the last <laughs> game. <laughs> and then if they did games declared a tie immediately, I, I don't know what happens there. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know what, happens there, what do you think about blind bid, Eric? Uh, six. I'm still on it. It's it's. I don't hate it, but I certainly kind of hate it. How about this last one? Ready? Game continues from current game situation and is sudden death. <laughs> like so, wherever the whatever happened in the last play of the game, we just continue from that play, and it's sudden death. Yeah. So no more wins. running out the clock. Just. Uh, you know, correct. You play just out playing football. And if like you kick a field goal to tie it at, at the end of regulation, well then at the, and when the overtime starts, you're kicking off. Eric, and it's first. sudden death. I'm giving that a nine y'all. I kind of like it. It's basically like, fine, we're tied. Cool. Your call. Keep, keep it tied or don't. Penalty like minutes. <laughs> Penalty yeah, minutes. I, yeah. I don't mind this one. This one was among my favorites. I actually think it, it might be my favorite other than I do like, I do like um, blind bid quite a bit, and I also <laughs> liked um, I also liked uh, that deciding first possession of overtime before the end of regulation. Just because I do think like the coin flip is the worst part for most people, and so that just eliminates the coin flip. Like, well, we all know Kansas City's getting the ball first because they're the home team in the overtime. It's the home. It's part of the home field advantage or whatever. So I think like that's a. Uh, I would be fine with that too. Okay, Kevin, what what do you think of the my last suggestion? Continue playing in its sudden death. Uh, I put that as an eight. I, I would be I think that that is probably the easiest fix to the current system. It also seems really fair, right? Like we're not changing game situation. We're not going to the middle field and flipping a coin like Buffalo would have got the ball next if we would have kept playing football. Right. The game's tied. So we're just continuing the game. And right. And Kansas City might have gone for um, a different like type of score to be able to, to prevent it. Like I, I, yeah, I think there would, there is more, again, more gamesmanship there. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't mind that. All right. Well, you, tell us in the discord what your favorite, uh, overtime. Oh, can I, can I say mine? Real fixes. Quick? 
Oh, there's an, there's one that I didn't say. Uh, oh. So this is one that's been kind of bandied about, and this is my spin on it, because I thought we were supposed to come up with our own alternative overtime rules. And oh, no. So, no, um, no. so here's the way this works. In the regular season, you only do one overtime. In the postseason, you can do more. Uh, each team gets one possession starting at their own 30 uh, on offense, and you have to go for two at the end. So if okay. it ends up being a tie at the end of regulation in I, um, uh, in uh, regular season, then so be it. Uh, no field goals after the first possession. Okay. So it's kind of like a modified college overtime. Yeah, you just start from further back because kickers can launch it from at the spot yards. you get the ball in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it it just I, moves back the college rule. I hate college overtime. And I think it, I think it's so stupid, and I think they made it even stupider with this two point conversion thing. Um, so I don't want anything resembling it, <laughs> but but I think this is fine. I would give if it was me rating, I'd give it like a five or six. Um, I also would give the current system like a five or six. So I mean, I'm not. <laughs> it's it, it's fine. It's not it's not the worst. It's not the best. It's it's good. It's it's fine. Like I said, I don't hate what happened in this game. It's not that big a deal to me. I would say the uh, thing about this system is it gets rid of the coin toss. Which apparently yeah, which is good. Goals. Which is good. I think, and then that you... it gives both teams a, a, a guaranteed offensive possession. So it, it gets rid of those two gripes. So if you care about those two gripes, this addresses it. Yeah, Kevin, Eric, Eric, what do you think? Uh, I of that, honestly, I'm fine with that. I I don't have any new ideas for overtime. That's for that is for certain. Yeah. All right. Well, there are many these are support. so many. Outside this of the skills like competition, longest, it's going to be our longest ideas. episode of all time, I think. I know. There are like many an ways hour. to support. There's, man, we're not even to the a, a, a probably long movie club. There are many ways to support the Seahawks. I was started early to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest, onlytwelves.com, punthub.us. Click anywhere on your screen. Support the show. Join the Discord. Hang out with the boys. Uh, thanks to our new Patreons, Jos and Santiago, uh, supporting the show. Be like them. Join the Patreon. Get in the get in the disc. Get in the Discord. I'm gonna um so let's give thanks to everyone who's who's uh, helping us out. Andy, Brett, dude off for the Tucci, Flactimus, Greta, James, Just, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michelle, Michael, Mike, Mike. There's like three mics in a row right there. Uh-huh. Uh, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and of course our first future and always sponsor. Until someone gives me money to say something else, Blake Nelson of Washington Fish Quest. Okay, um, Eric's birthday. Eric wanted us to do a fave five, a fave five for good bad movies. So we're gonna do some good bad movies. I have so many ideas for this. Um, like I, I have like a thousand things I want to say. Um, so this is hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like super hard. So I'm going to start us off, though. I'm going to give us um, my favorite good, bad movie. The good, bad movie, I think, is uh, is the best. It's the most entertaining. It's hard because I really, okay, I really want to put in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. It's, it's but it's pretty not bad. a bad movie. That's my, that's, my, that's my push. It's pretty bad, but it's only because, the only reason it's bad is because. Um, the main character has anti Lucas Black. Charisma. Lucas Black can't act. And so I'm going to go with the actual <laughs> bad movie. I'm going to go with Roadhouse. Oh, um, Roadhouse is like a fever dream. Um, it is like so. Um, and it's Patrick Swayze at his like Swayze-iest. Um, 
it's it's like okay. it's such a ridiculous premise for a movie. Bouncers are celebrities, basically, um, called coolers. <laughs> I don't I don't even know. Like this guy in in this movie, uh, Patrick Swayze has a philosophy degree for some reason. Uh, <laughs> it's he, so good. He gives a car to a homeless guy. There's a monster truck scene where he drives a monster truck. To hey, car what truck. do I look like, a valet? This movie is bad. And if someone tells you this movie isn't bad, that's just because they love it. And that's okay. It's okay to love this movie. It's a good, bad movie. Um, I love this movie as well. Uh, Patrick Swayze pulls out a guy's throat. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Roadhouse is on the Fave Five. Uh, what are you, you guys in? You guys love Roadhouse also. I'm, I already know you do. Sam Elliott, uh, Patrick Swayze. There's so much uh, cool. I will, I, will just, uh, I will just read my review from August of 2020. <laughs> Look, if you don't know about cooler culture, you better get yourself educated. Exactly. It's so ridiculous. They like invented this whole subculture that I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. All right. Uh, uh, Eric, you got a Roadhouse comment? I like uh, to prevent. I like to pretend that Roadhouse is a prequel to Goon, by the way. <laughs> um, we uh, we here at the Hawks Nest always talk about our favorite movies of all time. And at one point in my life, when I was like 14, number one movie, Roadhouse. So... You know it's good. Um, all right, Eric. What are you? Uh, what are you go- gonna go with, Eric? As your for entry, your entry that's automatically in. Your okay. auto in for the Fave Five. I feel like uh, you know this is this is my thing, so I, I have a a right to uh, to put in a a hard to hard to pick movie or a movie that is an instant layup. And I'm just I kind of went with the layup, didn't I? Yeah, I know. I don't think you guys <laughs> are gonna go with. That. I don't think you guys are going to go with this layup and everyone is going to say, well, yeah, of course, but it's got to be there. It's an immensely hard to watch movie that if you can find a way to make it all the way through, it's rewarding. And that is uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. This is maybe the worst movie of all time. Cannot watch it alone. And if you watch this movie alone, you'll be sad. I, I challenge <laughs> Or watch anyone. it in stages while drinking. It's so hard to watch all the way through because it's so terrible, so unintentionally funny. Or maybe intentionally funny, but no, it's, it's unintentionally. Funny. It is so awkward and terribly shot and badly edited. It's a masterpiece, but uh, yeah, masterpiece of terrible movies. Oh hi, Mark. I, here's the thing. Okay, is the room really toes the line for me between good, bad, and just bad? It is really hard for me to uh, one. T- so I I went to go see the Disaster Artist, and uh, I. I like quite enjoyed that movie, but before I watched it, I was like, I got to rewatch the room. I haven't watched this in so long and I've never watched it sober. And so I watched it by myself stone sober just to like, remember <laughs> it. And I was like, by the end of the movie, I was like, oh. I was like, this is miserable, man. Like this is not, this is so hard to watch. And so like, it's kind of one of those movies, like you have to do it with a group. You have to do it in a certain way. Um, it is really fun to watch other people though. Cause it is so easy to just rip on this movie. Like it is so it's the easiest movie to riff tracks of all time. It's so easy to riff and it, yeah, it makes you question Eric. You're right. Like is, is the director just messing with us? Like, is it, is it all a joke that we're not in on? Yeah. I don't know, but Ken, what do you think about the room? Uh, it is a painful to watch movie and I understand why it makes a list. Um, the reason why I would have nominated it is because it's a movie you can have a good time watching, but not a movie that you can enjoy watching. All right. Okay. Kevin, what's your, uh, what's your, 
good bad movie is it catwoman 2004 uh no because that's really hard to watch that is the horniest movie ever made though and i'm including i just love horn. i just love catwoman playing basketball in that movie i'm gonna throw a couple more of these just i, I believe you mean catwoman having sex with the basketball um so i was caught between a 2000 and a 2001 movie for what i was going to do um the 2001 movie the one i'm not going to do is a knight's tale with heath ledger because that movie is dumb and fun and yeah, but really it, all I, I, I think that's like it's like more that movie is less bad, good and more just like st- like stupid summer movie. Like I feel like, like it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Roadhouse has some stuff in it that's way dumber than like that. Then literally like a rock and roll entourage for a that's night. That's the thing. Is, like it's, they only they only just changed. It's like a night. It's like a generic night movie with rock and roll music. I, I, I feel like it's a generic sports movie, but they decided the sport was jousting. And so <laughs> that was kind of fun for me. Like it's yeah, like, I love look, that movie. Uh, the, uh, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. So um, that's one I would consider, but I decided to do a movie that's special to my heart and um, it stars uh former heavyweight champion, David Arquette. And that is, 2000s ready to rumble oh, this movie is bad oh, wow. okay. uh yeah. it is a buddy adventure comedy um about two wrestling fans uh oliver platt plays jimmy king who's like their favorite wrestler oliver platt is a guy that you've seen in a billion things and he's always good and you just forget that he was in the thing um i i really like oliver platt a lot he's great in this movie it has joey pants in it so i know i have eric's vote yep and uh it's kind of a this, love yeah. letter to wrestling it's stupid it's fun it's ridiculous it's quotable it's it's kind of a time capsule i just like it a lot this movie has the worst dialogue of any movie i can't i don't i do not i personally do not like this movie very much but uh but but i see why you picked it uh it's just uh this movie is not i the dialogue sucks and then it's it's so it's so like um it's like a time capsule of like this yes. juvenile humor that in the early two thousands that people just um, the wrestling part is is not too bad actually. The parts where they're wrestling are are quite enjoyable. I, I feel like somebody decided to attach a wrestling movie to Clerks. It's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. Like I, I see why you picked it. I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't want to like crap on anyone's choices. I think it's fine. Like it's a, a perfectly defensible choice. Just not the direction I would have gone. Um. Eric, do you like Ready to Rumble? Have you seen? I haven't. I've have not seen, seen it. Okay, yeah. Well, I think you would enjoy it if you go into it with the right frame of mind, which is that it is not good, but it is ridiculous. inebriated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little a little drunk isn't a bad thing. Okay, all right. Here we go. I'm going to list off some movies that I think are contenders. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, White Chicks, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad, but it's got a Terry Crews singing a Thousand Miles uh, Over the Top, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, a movie about pretty- child grooming. Yeah, yeah uh, Kevin, I know you hate this movie. Showgirls. That movie sucks. Uh, yeah, that movie sucks pretty bad. No Holds Barred, 1989. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, which uh, which I think it contains the legendary scene where Hulk Hogan smells dookie. <laughs> yes, that one's pretty good. Immediately um, what we all think of that and uh, Zeus Tiny Lizard dying. Now, you you kind of have to choose a lane here. Triple X or Triple X State of the Union. I would go Triple X State of the Union. Well, the one with Ice Cube. <laughs> Though so I do like uh, that uh, there's a scene in the first Triple X movie where Vin Diesel is spoken word saying the lyrics to a Vandal song. So that's a thing that happened. Yeah, it's those both movies are that's pretty. His, those both movies his are acting pretty pinnacle, bad. Kevin. <laughs> uh, Troll 2. 
Oh. Uh, which which Troll Two is kind of like the room where it's borderline unwatchable. But yeah, I like, feel like the room takes that spot. <laughs> the best this this, uh, this movie just has some of the funniest schlock. Best like, part about this movie is so just insider baseball. My mom, my love for like terrible horror movies or just like watching anything Amazon Prime has outside of Santa Jaws, which you said don't watch, um, comes from my mom. She used to just watch. She would rent these horror movies you'd never heard of from like movies to go or like any neighborhood place and uh she'd watch them and i would just be downstairs or something or i'd see some of them and i'd seen troll 2 and she's like this movie's so dumb and my friend who was like a horror movie aficionado was telling me about this movie and i was like wait did they go to a town called nilbog and he was like what nilbog this? that's goblin backwards yeah which yeah it takes them forever to figure that out it's um i remember being like Oh yeah, that movie's terrible. I watched it when I was like, you know, fifteen. It's awful. Uh, okay, last action hero. Uh, which uh, I that's a good, just guy, a good movie. I was gonna say, guy, Kevin, don't okay, don't say. So it. part of my part of my um part of my curriculum here, Kevin, that I used for anything that I said was that I had to have under fifty percent from both from both audiences and tomato meter on on Rotten Tomatoes, which this fits the bill. 47% on audience score, which I think is like absurd. This movie, you're right. It's too good for that. But the guy gets killed with the ice cream cone in this movie, which is pretty yes. cool. And then he's uh, supposed to chill out. <laughs> uh, which that movie, okay, we, that movie might get in, Kevin. I think that might be, might be. it's got a good shot for us, <laughs> from us here. Uh, let me think else. Oh, uh, Bad Boys no. 2, to- I already mentioned Tokyo Drift. Oh, can I throw uh, a few out there? The way I'm, I'm almost to the end of my okay, my okay. Uh, list here. Oh, Stone Cold, which we've done a movie club of. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, starring the, the Brian Bosworth, and then uh, um, Idle Idle Hands, Kevin. There you go. That's oh, a, Idle Hands, delightfully bad. But I feel like I kind of filled that gap already with uh, yeah. uh, I uh, with with Ready to Rumble. I have one that I I. Okay, now yeah, I was gonna say now add to my list, guys. What do we got? Well, see, I've got one that I wanted to. I love that you put in Stone Cold uh, show a movie of the podcast. One that I brought up before we were recording back in the summertime is a movie called Space Truckers. You can watch okay. this on Amazon Prime, and it started like, oh, Eric stars nobody, and it's got Dennis Hopper in it. Oh yeah, and they tried so hard. Bowser himself. It also had like up and coming actors who have been in things like Stephen Dorff. And uh, not from Dorf Goes Golfing, but uh, from Blade. Isn't Charles Dance in this movie too? Uh, maybe. Uh, and uh, then, yeah. Okay, I looked it up. He is. Yeah, Charles then, Dance from from uh, it's a uh, it's the Lannister guy. Yeah. Okay, and then there's a a woman who's like in Scorsese's movies. Uh, shoot, I can't remember. Uh, oh, Becky Debbie Mazar. Debbie Mazar. That's what it is. Um, she's she's like a good actress, and she's in this. They they tried to make this like a hit movie. They tried to make this just like a movie that everyone was going to see. It was going to be the movie of the summer from Australia. And it's awful. And it's so awfully good. I just, I recommend it to anyone, especially the, the space effects for zero gravity, because uh, they couldn't, they couldn't afford the, the Russian space flight where, you know, they, they build a set inside a giant jet and then they, you know, go up and have three minutes of uh, zero G no, they they are making like a hot dog in space, and they put the mustard container. Oh my gosh! On a the effects it, and the spin it around, but they but the stick I'm watching, is off screen. I'm watching the trailer right now, Eric, and I just gotta say, how are the effects so much worse than Star Wars, which came out 20 years earlier? I think because the the effects got so much more expensive. 
Um, I I would recommend this movie to anyone. It's it's terribly. It seriously look. It seriously looks like a like a college project or something. Like this, uh, listen, listen effects. to me when I say this. It's terribly awful. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. That's oh why gosh, I wanted to co- do this. These costumes. What is happening in this movie? <laughs> oh, wait. We might have to do a full on movie club for this one, Eric, because I I think that this deserves. Thank you. The, 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 Maybe the that's complete, what I wanted all along. The complete treatment. Holy smokes! This is what is these costumes are insane. Debbie Mazar getting up in this weird like space bikini. What is this? Oh, that's a scene where uh, what's his name? The actor you mentioned wants to um, have uh, sexual relations with her. And Charles she, Dance. And she uh, goes to trick him. And uh, well, I don't want to give away oh, any more f- guys. I forgot about Miami Connection. That's which is a, a that's one I feel like it's got to be. Uh, that was one that I was about to add to the list. Um, yeah. So I was going to put on uh, 1990s Joe versus the Volcano, the Ooh. original Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan vehicle. Wow, Kevin. Yeah. I forgot about all about. Okay. I forgot that. A movie, movie about a brain cloud. Um, oh, man. Kevin, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes somehow. How? What? How? I'm so disappointed the that audience they got the joke. Audience is worse, though. 54%. But still, unbelievable. Unbelievably high for it. This movie does suck. I agree. Uh, Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. Great call. Because Good that's call. an insane movie. Um, Miami you know what I love about you know what I love about Jupiter Ascending is it's it's quintessential uh, Wachowskis, which is they when they swing they swing big. <laughs> they don't they don't leave anything on the table, man. This movie is it is like a full on Barry Bonds home run, just <laughs> swing and strike out. Like it is just so bad, but I find it very enjoyable. Also, and the effects are really good, so they never take you out of the movie. Like what takes you out of the movie is how stupid it is. Yes, which is the exactly. perfect, which is perfect <laughs> um, um, perfection. Uh, Varsity Blues. I don't want okay. your laugh. With yes, with whatever James Vanderbeek is doing in that movie is perfect. Um, and also Paul audi- Walker to make okay. you happy. Uh, audiences like Varsity Blues. <laughs> I don't. Care oh, I, okay. I think I made myself no, clear on that. <laughs> critics, critics hate this though. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think this is a bad movie. Good, bad though. The yeah. best find. Uh the double dragon movie from nineteen ninety four. Oh mm. yes. That movie sucks. It does. There's no um, no way that one's no Mark DeCasos, right? Isn't that movie? Yes. Uh who was supposed to be like one of the next big things. <laughs> Guess what he wasn't? <laughs> Mark DeCasos is sweet, dude. Um, okay, so uh I know it's not gonna get in, but I have to mention Airborne because oh, it's a movie yes, that was probably, clearly Kevin. entirely engineered around one downhill race scene, and then they just like Tack the most generic teeny bopper '90s movie on top of that. Delightful. Um, um, I'll say this about uh, that movie: it's just bad <laughs> to, to me. But, uh, uh, but isn't wait? Is that the one? What's the one with Jack Black in it? That's, that's it. That's, that's, that's that one. Yeah, that, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I know no, you don't like it. That's fine. And yeah, and uh, don't like fun. And the actor who is now a real estate agent in California. <laughs> so beautiful, though. Yeah. So yeah. beautiful. Uh, Shane McDermott, the uh, uh, budget uh, James Vanderbeek. Um, He's the whole reason uh, why I say bra because I said it ironically. Uh, so uh, Club Dread from the uh, Broken Lizards comedy group, known for Super Troopers. Um, that movie is a slasher parody comedy and enjoyable, but not good. And then uh, also because I do feel like we need a horror entry on here, otherwise it's not representative. Um, 1986's Maximum Overdrive, which was written and directed by Cocaine. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's there's a lot of good bad horror movies uh, that you can go like um, The Wicker Man, the Nicolas Cage one. Oh, I think God that movie the bees. is 
That is, movie drags, uh, though, is the problem. It oh, really man. does. Dude, but when he is in the bear suit and he punches that lady in the face and then he <laughs> kicks that other person in the chest, it is the f- – I have never laughed so hard in a movie, I think, in my entire life. Uh, Kevin, Silent Hill, Deadly Hill, De- Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Garbage uh, day. Really, really uh, a fun – what about Basket Case, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, or Terror Train. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there's a lot of good options here, but Maximum Overdrive uh, is my nomination. Lepre- Le- Leprechaun, Leprechaun, Leprechaun in the Hood, Leprechauns in Space. A friend, in, in a space. friend in weed is a friend indeed. Uh, all right, uh, Brahms the Boy too. No, that that movie was just bad. Oh, just bad. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's uh, let's go he ahead and do the Brahms oh, experience. Plan, plan nine, plan nine from Outer, Plan nine from Oh, Anaconda. Dude, what is what is John Voight doing in Anaconda? I don't know, but the thing is, again, how is that movie boring? It's like ninety minutes, and John Voight's being entertained the whole time, and the movie's boring somehow. It's so funny. John Voight is what is he doing in this movie? It's, I just think every once in a while, I, I, when I like see an Anaconda or like just Anacondas come up, I think about what John Voight did in Anaconda, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what was he doing in this movie? Like, okay, all right, that I think that How about just to. Ice Cube scenes in Ghost of Mars. <laughs> I mean the the Oscar Ghost, the Oscar Ghost of Mars, scenes. Ghost of Mars is too is more boring than Anaconda. Uh, that's that's my opinion on that. I'll one. call it a draw. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's um. Okay, so Miami connections in. You right? You agree with that, Eric? You yes. you in on him? Am, yes, am Miami absolutely. Uh, let's just talk about Miami connections for ten seconds. Uh, really? Well, we're they all have, orphans. Like, they 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 brought in a guy, one guy who could do you know martial arts scenes, and then they were like, and they brought in three guys who could be in a band, and it's very obvious uh, which is which depending on if it's a fight scene or a music scene. And they both are very prevalent in this movie. The music yes. scenes, you can definitely tell one guy can't play an instrument. And in the martial arts scenes, you can tell three guys can't really do martial arts. And uh, it's, but it's very entertaining. It's very funny. Uh, the plot is ridiculous. Uh, the music is actually like the very part. representative of the era. And it's funny because it's just songs about exactly what is happening in the movie. Yes, it is. Um, which just cracks we've, me And up. we've done this in the podcast before, but it's, it's so worth your time because it's, it's very funny the the emotional angles they try and pull in this movie. Friends for eternity, <laughs> loyalty, honesty, friends right. forever through thick and thin. Do we have do do we have a, another movie that we think we could agree on quickly, or do we need to? Uh, I mean, I would I've, say I've Jupe in... is probably the quickest agreement. What is no Jupiter, Jupiter ascending? Jupe, I don't think. Uh, I don't think Eric's going to want to go with Jupiter. I, I won't Eric, just because what it's, you... it's too new. And I, I feel like that's super flop as opposed to like overly, overly Trust enjoyably me, bad. That movie was like in the top 10 on Netflix when it came, came up back to Netflix <laughs> though. Like people watched it for some reason. Uh, Eric, what do you got? What? Give me one. Give me one. Oh, I've given you so many. Uh, we, we put stone cold in here. I, I have, what do we have so far? I have the room. We I... have Miami connection. We have, uh, your two movies, so we just need Road, one more. Roadhouse, Roadhouse, and we have uh, Ready, Ready to Rumble. Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Um, that's. I feel like we want something on like the the horror end of the spectrum. That's what we're missing. I, I, I don't know, man. What, I kinda... What's your What's your number one bad horror movie? Man, I was really gonna I was really gonna stump for Over the Top right here. Just because. <laughs> yeah, if we're going I really just, bad, I, I'm really uncomfortable doing a movie that's entirely about uh, grooming a child. That's, that's well, it I, might be Silent okay. Night, Deadly Night too. Well, I think like the, I think like the 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 best good bad horror movie is whatever John Voight's doing in Anaconda, <laughs> like Anaconda. Like I I really think that that's like a a really good choice for like good bad horror movie, mostly because of of John Voight. Like it's just. <laughs> 
I'm just laughing just thinking Academy about it. Award winner John Voight. Is he really an Academy Award winner? Yeah, that's winner? when when he was in uh like in like early 2000s it was like oh, an no. Academy Award winner John Voight. I think for like uh what uh drugs uh the, in the movie. Dog Soldiers 2. Dog Soldiers 2. Midnight uh, Cowboy? Thank you. No, he got nope, he just got nominated for Midnight Cowboy. Uh let's see. Then it had uh, to be Academy. National Treasure. Uh, Academy <laughs> Award Okay, Terrible movies see. that are horror, Kevin. Ghost Rider. Hook it up. Okay, let's see. That movie's just at... It's terrible. I think he might just be like a multi-time nominee. Oh, no. no, He won Best Actor for Coming Home, a movie I've never seen. It's... Oh, and he won Best Actor. No, he got nominated for Runaway Train. He got oh, a lot of nominations. They, they made a song based on the Soul Asylum. They made a movie based <laughs> on the Soul Asylum song. Terrible. That's it. It's a documentary, actually. <laughs> All right. Um. So, okay. What? What are we doing? We got we to. Eric, what's your horror movie you picked? Uh, I Silent Night, Deadly Night Two. That's I, I will say that as my. Ken, what do you want? Which one your? All right, we'll favorite? go with that. We'll go with that. All right, I, I will. I will. I will say I would. I we would all do enjoy love, it. Love, love to do uh, the uh, the John Voight in Anaconda, but I'll, I'll take my L here. All right, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.